0: Hello, Sabona. How's it? Marlo, Jumbo, and welcome to Every Nation Devon Podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. So today we're going to be continuing our series on soul care. Are you ready for the word this morning? Yes. Just check the check the person next to you. Are they awake? Are they alive? Let's just mix it up a little here. Okay, good. We're continuing our series on soul care. Um. I'm sure a lot of you have been watching um, the war that's happening in Ukraine at the moment. How many of you see what's going on there? And isn't it devastating? I mean, war is, there's nothing pretty about war. War is gruesome. It is brutal. And um, I've just been like, you know, been watching some of the newscasts on that and, and looking at the devastation of, of entire cities that were once beautiful, now lying in absolute ashes and ruins. And, and it made me think about how this, this war that's taking place just in the Ukraine, how many years ago, maybe 80-something years ago, there was World War II in Europe where the whole of Europe was like that. And, and, and for five years in World War II, battle raged in every corner of Europe to the point where the Nazis had actually, by 1944, controlled the entire Europe. Europe was gripped under Nazi control. And the Allied forces had literally been pushed out of Europe and they were not able to even land in Europe and do battle in Europe anymore. Europe was controlled by the Nazi armies. And something had to be done to liberate Europe. Something big, something strategic, something important had to be done in order for Europe to be free. And so plans began formulating, and the the allies got together and they started putting strategies in place. They needed to do something big. They needed to get get boots on the ground. They needed to get equipment on the ground. They needed to get their feet in Europe so that they could liberate Europe. And so they began planning the largest amphibious war um, that had ever actually taken place. And they, it was called, it was codenamed uh, uh, Project Overlord and it became known as D-Day. And what happened was they got 156,000 troops together to land in one moment in Europe in order to liberate Europe. And it became known as the Battle of Normandy, where on a 50-mile stretch of beaches, Allied forces from America, from Canada, from, the, from Britain, all arrived, and the battle was gruesome. It was bloody. Literally, I mean, if you've seen Saving Private Ryan, have you seen Saving Private Ryan? It is, it's devastating. Like, you know, as they were coming out of the boats, they were getting mowed down by machine guns. And 4,000 men lost their lives in that, in that in just within the first couple hours of that battle. But they managed to secure the beach. They managed to secure that area of Normandy and from that area thousands and thousands of tons of equipment and tanks and armor and, um, and guns and more soldiers were able to arrive in Europe and then battle their way through Europe in order to liberate the whole of Europe. It was D-Day was, the, was not the end. It was not liberty for Europe, but it was the beginning of the end. Just one year later, one year after five years of war, one year later, the whole of Europe was liberated in what became known as Victory in Europe Day, VE Day. So D-Day led to Victory in Europe Day, which, you know, when we look at that scenario, is quite similar to what we see in the gospel accounts. The invasion that the allied forces came into Normandy with is very similar, in my opinion, to the invasion of Christ in this dark world. Jesus, you know, for centuries, there was a plan of a Messiah coming to liberate this dark world. There was plans, there were strategies in place, the prophets were declaring it, and eventually the Messiah was born, and it was gruesome, the sacrifice that was involved in the life of Christ in order to achieve liberty on this earth. But how many of you know that not the whole earth was liberated in that moment? The kingdom of God had arrived on earth. Earth was now connected back to heaven. Supplies from heaven could come to earth but all of earth was not liberated. And then the command from Jesus was this, go into all the world and make disciples. In other words, go and liberate every dark corner of this world. I've got all the tools, I've got all the armor, I've got all the equipment, I've got all the, the whatever you need, go and liberate every dark corner of this world. That is the command that still stands over the church today, is that we are commanded to go and liberate the world wherever there's darkness. That's our mission, that's our goal, amen? We're not to shrink back and hide in our little safe holy huddles, amen? We're not here just to like, oh, have our nice little meeting. No, there are cities at stake here. There are lives at stake. And while the enemy is raging out there, the church is gathering in resource, in power, in prayer, in in ability and strength. Why? For the mission of liberating the whole earth. Abraham Cooper said this. He said, there's not one inch of this entire world where Jesus does not cry, this is mine. This is mine. So we have a great battle to achieve out there, but how many of you know that the battle typically starts in here first? How many of you can testify to the fact that when Jesus came into your life, you experienced liberty? You experienced forgiveness. You've experienced hope. You, it, there was a whole new world, like Danaea was saying, just this whole new thing that opened up to you. I don't know about you, but if you can even remember the dark days that you were in. You know, I shudder to think about that young man called Wayne in his bedroom that day, just in absolute darkness, and how the gospel then penetrated my heart, and the light came in, and forgiveness came, and the grace of God was there, and and I was liberated in that moment. But how many of you have noticed that sometimes that liberty is not complete, Sometimes we are liberated when Christ comes in, but it's not a complete liberation. It's like D-Day, Christ has come. Resource has come. Heaven is there. It's available. The tools are there. But sometimes there's still more battle to be done in our lives. Not every part of us is instantly under the Lordship of Christ. Who knows what I'm talking about? You know, there we are, you know, we're saved, we're free, but there's like many other salvations. Our mouth still needs to get saved, amen? The way we think about the future, the way we think about ourselves, the way we think about other people, the actions that we do, the behaviors that we're involved in, they all still need to come under the Lordship of Christ. And so there's battle to be done. Yes, there's a great victory. Yes, the resource has arrived, but still there is battle that needs to take place. So Christ liberates amen. and Christ gives us the tools for liberty just like Normandy received everything that it needed to liberate Europe when Christ comes into our lives he gives us everything that we need in order to have liberty in every area of our lives There's a part that Jesus does supernaturally, but there's a part where He says, you got this. And don't we wish it wasn't like that? (laughs) Wouldn't it be great if like when we got saved, just everything got saved, you know? Like just, we were completely free in that moment. I mean, I remember, you know, being a, a young man who smoked a box of cigarettes every single day. The moment I gave my life to Christ, I threw the cigarettes away. I never needed them any longer. People, I used to have an ashtray next to my bed. I could wake up in the morning. The first thing I would do was was light a cigarette. I know it's hard to think of me like that. (laughs) But that was my life. And when Christ came in, I was liberated. I was set free from that addiction to nicotine just instantly in that moment. However, there were other addictions in my life like pornography that took much longer. There was a battle. There was something that I had to overcome there. And sometimes the battle was difficult. And sometimes I wanted to give up. And sometimes I was ashamed about it. And, and there was a struggle. And like, God, do you still love me? Because I've got this thing in my life. And there was this, I had to learn tools. And I had to learn scriptures. And I had to find out stuff. And eventually, Wayne was liberated in that area. Praise God. But, but there, was a, there was a part of, that I had to play that I had to pull on the tools. I had to learn about my new identity in Christ. I had to learn about my authority in Christ. There were things that I had to grow in and get strong in. How many of you know that God didn't just drive out all the nations when the Israelites entered the Promised Land, but He left some of them for the Israelites to conquer. Why? Because He wants you to know what it's like to be a victor, to be a champion to be an overcomer that's what this whole battle this whole story is about when you go to the end of the story in the book of the revelation who do you see there you see him who overcomes him who overcomes him who overcomes him who overcomes how many overcomers do we have here this morning we are called to overcome and I want you to know this morning that no matter the battle that you face, the internal world, the internal struggles that you have, the things that have made you feel like maybe have gripped you, I want you to know this morning that there is nothing and there is no temptation that has seized you that cannot be overcome, that is too difficult for you to overcome in Christ. This is the promise we have from heaven. Every tool is available. Everything that we need is available. It's all there. But it does require us to rise up like the allied forces and say, we're not just content with Normandy. We're not just content with taking France. We need to go into Belgium and Holland, and we need to liberate Switzerland and, and Italy, and we need to liberate Spain, and we need, we need to get all of it. Amen? Imagine if they just said, woohoo, yes, Normandy is ours. But the rest of Europe lay in darkness. Unfortunately, that's where sometimes we settle as Christians. A partial victory, but not a complete victory. A sense of victory, a celebration of victory, but it's not, it's not everything. Today, we're talking about addictions as part of our Soul Care series. Addictions are those parts of us that still remain under the grip of enemy control. Addictions are those parts of us that still remain in darkness, those parts of us that still need to be liberated. That's what addiction is. It's a part of us that that needs liberty. And my encouragement for you this morning is don't settle for half a victory. Don't settle for hopelessness. Some of you have battled, some of you have struggled, some of you have tried, some of you have grabbed a few tools, and maybe you're even here this morning and you're feeling a little exhausted, like you just feel like you can never get free. I want you to know freedom is possible. You may have tried some tools, but you haven't tried them all. (laughs) There is always a way with God. With God, there is always a way. With God, there is always a way. Nothing is impossible with God. And His power is available this morning to liberate and empower you to break free from whatever is holding you back. Shall we pray before we just get into the Word? Father in heaven, we just commit this time to You. We believe that Your plans for us are good, but that everything good starts with Your Word. Your Word brings life, it brings healing, direction, and so we treasure Your Word more than our daily bread. We boldly confess that our minds are alert, our hearts are receptive, and we say, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Amen. All right, join me in Genesis. And let's let's just zoom out of the ilukuzan, the thing. Porn, gambling, whatever the, the thing, all right? let's zoom out of that thing. Let's get a biblical perspective of what is actually going on here with addiction. So we're gonna start in Genesis 1:26. And we look at this verse and it says the following: It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them have say the word, say it louder and bolder, say it again. What has God wanted you to have? Dominion. What did He create you for? Dominion. dominion. What is dominion? Dominion is to exercise control over or to master. You were created for mastery. This was the original intention of God. Let's create man in our image, and let's give him dominion. Let's give him this planet. And the command is this, to be fruitful, multiply, and rule over. You were created for rulership. You were created for mastery. But we know what happens in Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 4, the fall happens. And then in Genesis chapter 4, we get a window view, like this incredible view into the root of our problem when it comes to addiction. Take a look at this. Genesis 4, verse 6 to 7. It's the story of Cain and Abel. And Cain doesn't bring a good offering. Abel does. Cain gets jealous. But the jealousy grows inside of him. And it grows so much so that he eventually kills his brother. But look at what God says in the moment. God comes and intervenes. He knows the way that Cain is going. This is what God always does. He knows the way we're going to go, but he intervenes. And he comes to rescue us. Isn't this awesome? And he said to Cain, sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. So here we see an interesting picture. We see that mankind created for mastery, created for dominion, is now under threat of being mastered himself. It's crouching at your door and it's eager to do what? Control you. Here's mankind created to control, but now he's under threat. Something wants to control him and have dominion over him. And God's intervention here is this, no, you must subdue it. You must master it. You were created for mastery. You weren't created to be mastered by something. You were created for mastery. Look at the, the language here, eager to control you, crouching at the door. The threat could not be better painted in this picture. The, the threat is that mankind who was created for mastery is now in a place where he can be mastered. I'm sure you would agree with me that it's wonderful to watch people who have mastered something. Isn't it amazing when somebody has just mastered their craft or their art and they're, they're just, I don't know, an incredible singer or sportsman or lawyer or business person. They've just, they've mastered their craft. They've, they're painter. They've, they've plowed themselves into this thing and to watch them is almost divine. To watch them, we just like, wow, they, are, they have mastered this thing. It's wonderful to watch people master things. It's tragic to watch things master people and this is the threat of addiction it's tragic because it is mastering us I mean, if you take like a basketball player for a moment, just think about like some of these guys in the NBA and how they're able just to spin that ball for like 10 minutes on their finger or move it around their bodies and under their legs. I mean, it's just like, it's like poetry in motion. That ball is completely under their control. They can throw it from anywhere into that tiny little hoop over there. It's incredible to watch. But imagine being the ball. And you just have no choice. Whichever way this thing spins you, you get spun. Whichever way this thing wants you to go, you go. And if this thing wants to throw you away and use you up, it throws you away and uses you up and you have no power over it. Peter the Great said the following, he says, I have been able to conquer an empire, but I have not been able to conquer myself. How many politicians, preachers, singers have said the same thing? And this is why addiction is a problem. Because while we are busy busy mastering the dominion mandate, growing in our craft, it is growing in its mastery over us. And eventually, who we are catches up with what we do, and eventually we start to destroy the things that we build and do. That is the threat of addiction. And that's not actually like all addiction. Addiction, that's in its acute form. But also addiction is the very thing that keeps us from doing what we know we should be doing. We know that every God has given each of us a, a, an area to master in this world. He's given us the, a certain gift mix, a certain calling, a certain identity and destiny. Each one of us are wired for something, music, whatever, sports, whatever your business, your thing is, like God has wired you, technical, probing, whatever, you. this is your thing, this is what you were designed to do. Addiction is a thing that keeps you from doing what you should be doing. It's the thing that takes your time, your energy. It takes your passion. Your passion that should be plowed into saving cities. Your passion that should be plowed into growing in your craft. Is taking your passion and squandering it on something else. It's taking your time. It's taking even your finances away from the things that God should that you should be doing, that you're called to do in God. Epictetus, the the Greek philosopher, said the following. He said, God has entrusted me with myself, and no man is free who is not master of himself. And it's true. This is what the, the call to overcome addiction is this, to be master of what God has given us. God has given us ourselves, amen? He's given us these bodies. He's given us these gifts. He's given us these talents. And the call from heaven is this rule. Rule over it. Do not be ruled by your desires. Rule over your desires. Do not be ruled by your passions. Rule over your passions. The, the call from heaven over your life is to take dominion, to be in control, to be in lordship, not to be under the control of anything else. of course, there are scales here. There's, there's, there's levels here, and, and there's, there's acute addiction, and then there's addictions that aren't so severe as to cause immediate distraction. Some addictions are actually quite happy to journey with us for a long time. I mean, if you take some addictions like narcotics or sex or alcohol, some of them can be so severe or acute that They literally consume our entire lives and they start to destroy our relationships, our finances, our health. Francis Baker said this, he said, money is a good servant but a bad master. We could say the same about sex. It's a great pleasure but it's a terrible master. Could say the same about um, anything else. Gambling is a terrible master. Food, sugar, Pornography, these are terrible masters. Can I just, I want to show you a brain scan this morning just to outline the problem that we have. This is a brain scan. This is a picture of your healthy brain on the left. This is your your brain. In the middle, it's your brain on heroin. And the last picture there is your brain on pornography. These are actual brain scans. You know, the deception, and I show this this morning because sometimes the deception is this, is that it's not harmful, that it's not taking anything away from my life, that it's okay to have this little area of my life that is actually under the lordship of darkness. I want us to have a a resolve this morning that says, no, every area of my life is destined for the glory of God. Whether it's eating, whether it's drinking, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, every area is unto the glory of God. God must be Lord over all of me. Amen. I want to show you another picture here this morning. This is a picture of a ship with barnacles that have been collected underneath it. All right. Now, this is quite common in in the maritime industry is that barnacles grow at the bottom of ships that have been in water for a long time. And the risk of barnacles that grow on the bottom of a ship is this, is that they gather momentum, as you can see from this example. This is quite an extreme example. But they they gather momentum, and they grow in size, and eventually they threaten the stability of a ship. This yacht in stormy seas is going to crash. It is not able to turn, it's not able to maneuver in the way it should. And any storm that came for this yacht would actually sink this vessel. So it's slowing it down. But not only that; it's it's causing it if it was traveling to burn unnecessary fuel, which increases the costs involved. And this is the thing with some addictions: is some addictions are not so acute that they literally grab a hold of us right now and destroy our lives, and we're plowing into a heroin addiction or a, or a cocaine addiction or an alcohol addiction. But sometimes addictions come on us like those barnacles; they're happy to travel with us. And for the most time, we just think it's fine because I'm still traveling. My ship is not sinking yet. Everything's okay. My relationships are still intact. I can still go and do a full day of work. I can still have friendships. I can still do most of life. We're functionally okay, but underneath, this thing is gathering momentum, gaining momentum, and ultimately it is slowing us down. Ultimately it is a threat to the stability of our lives, and then suddenly something bad happens. Somebody dies in our lives. Something goes wrong or something, and then all of a sudden we capsize. We capsize, and it pulls us down to the depths. And all the while it was growing there unchecked. This could be, for an example, like a nicotine or a, a sugar addiction, or fast food. <laughs> we're very quiet on that one. <laughs> you know, for years, we're fine. But there comes a day when that thing has grown and becomes a threat, and in the end, it takes 10 years of our life, 10 years that should have been lived for the glory of God. But what about endless hours of scrolling through social media or channel flipping through channels and series or hours spent watching sports or gaming every single evening? That is time spent gone. That should have been spent on mastery. That should have been spent on taking dominion And the question is, why do we feel so empty after we do those things? Why? Well, because we are being mastered. There's nothing more fulfilling than mastering something. How many of you remember the first time you were able to tie your shoelaces? Come on, people. I did it! (laughs) And you just wanna show everyone, look, and then you want everyone to undo their laces so you can do it for them, right? You know, there's there's a joy that comes from mastery. There's a joy from gaining new skills. There's a joy from learning a new language. There's a joy from getting good at what you do. There's joy, there's great joy in fulfilling the dominion mandate. There is great emptiness when we are being mastered, when we are under the control of other things. It's not what we were designed for. And it leads to depression. It leads to so many other things in our lives. We were created for mastery. We should not be so naive this morning to think that any pleasure that we enjoy in this world could actually eventually become our enemy, our master. And likewise, we should not, we should, sorry, be as alert as we can not to let any addiction cohabit with us, slow us down, steal time, steal money, steal energy, and steal passion, just because at the moment it poses no real immediate threat. The Apostle Paul said the following. He said, I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. Can you just say amen? Amen. You have the right to do anything. There's so much grace available to us in this world. But have a resolve in you this morning like that, that says, I will not be mastered by anything. In 1 Corinthians nine twenty-seven, he said this. He said, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. In the NIV, it says, no, I strike a blow to my body, making it my slave. Family, I want us to know this morning that as wonderful as these bodies are, in many ways, <laughs> they're a trap to us. They're an enemy to us. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says, "Our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. They cannot." In Galatians 5:17, it says, "The flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit." In Romans 8:13, it says, "For if you live by the flesh, you will die, but if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live." Galatians 6 verse 7 says, He who sows into his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. Jesus even said, If your eye causes you to stumble, if your hand causes you, if this body causes you to stumble, just radical amputation. Galatians 5 says, Those who have belonged to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. The biggest challenge we often face is ourselves is our passions, it's our desires, it's this flesh that we often struggle with. And the New Testament is quite clear about how we are to treat our bodies. We are not to be ruled by our bodies. We must rule over our bodies. Amen? And like Paul said, make it our slave. I want to just pause for a moment here and just ponder the, the power of deception That is sometimes involved when it comes to addiction so how many of you know charles spurgeon all right have you read any i mean he's one of my favorite authors i mean he was known as the prince of preachers he was uh the pastor of the london tabernacle and uh in 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 the victorian era and i mean he was a i mean if you if you've read any of his stuff you will know that he is just a master of words and and he had wit and charm and spiritual power, and his church was large and impacting London and changing city. I mean, in many ways, a master of his craft, Charles Spurgeon. But it's, it's very interesting that, you know, I've listened to a lot of his messages um, on his lectures to his students and stuff, and he would often preach like a strong Victorian time message of like, you know, crucify the flesh. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? I mean, he was, his theology, his preaching was spot on, but the man had a love for cigars. I mean, he was in many ways addicted to cigars. He would smoke cigars all the time, and to the point where he was even used on cigar adverts. All right, take a look at this one, that I'll show you this morning. This is a, an advert of Charles Spurgeon on a cigarette box. And I want you just, I've highlighted the words on the advert on the side for you. It says, when I have found intense pain relieved, a weary brain soothed, a calm, refreshing sleep obtained by a cigar, I have felt grateful to God and blessed His name. <laughs> now what is the tragedy here this is a classical case of barnacles under the ship the man died at age 57 people we're talking about a man who preached the gospel to over a million people who personally baptized 15,000 new believers in water who raised $50 million from the sale of all his books and devotionals and gave most of it away to widows and orphans. A man who founded 66 ministries that literally transformed inner London, the entire city. We're talking about a man who could have gone on to 77, 87, 97, but lived to 57. Why? Because something was underneath, stealing from his life. Now, granted, he he lived in a time where the effects of tobacco and their harmful effects on the body were largely unknown, granted. But are we not living in a time when the effect of scrolling for hours and hours on this is largely unknown as well? Are we not living in a time where the effect of pornography is actually largely unknown? We're the same people. We're the same. His life serves for us as an example of what the power of addiction can do if we leave it unchecked in our lives, if we leave any area of our life that is not under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We all need to go on in our walks with Christ. We all need to fulfill our destiny. Paul said this, I, I, I train myself. I don't run like as one running aimlessly. Run so that you win the prize. There's a prize at the end of your life waiting for you. There, is, there are rewards that you cannot, we cannot even imagine right now waiting for you at the end of your life. But you must overcome You must take whatever Normandy has received and you must battle the rest of Europe, the rest of your heart, so that everything comes under the lordship of Christ and to him who overcomes, the prize awaits. Let's be an overcoming church, amen? You know, his words here on the cigarette box serve as a springboard for us talking about why addictions are rampant. Look at the words there intense pain relieved. Many of us, this is why we turn to addiction. Why? Because there's intense pain. Life is hard. Emotional pain, physical pain, mental pain. He turned to a cigar at the end of the day, just as some of us turn to the bottle at the end of a day. Or some of us turn to pornography at the end of the day to relieve the pain of loneliness, or the pain of failure, or the pain of rejection, or the pain of not being where you want to be in life, of the pain of the past, of the pain of whatever, of the pain, the pain, pain causes us to look for something that can help us. He turned to the cigar. What do we turn to today? And there he says, this weary brain. I mean, think about how many questions. Ca- this is where the attack is. It's on the mind. Wouldn't you agree? How am I going to survive? Where am I going to find the money? When will I get a job? When am I going to get married? How am I going to get out of this debt? How am I going to get my child that's wayward back? All these questions that can weary out our brains. And what do we do? We turn to relief. We turn to escape. We look to TV. We look to food. We look to something to give our brains a break. Calm, Refreshing sleep obtained. I know so many people who need marijuana in order to have a good night's sleep or painkillers or other meds just to have a good night's sleep. Spurgeon's words highlight for us the fact that life is hard and in response we seek relief. And in seeking relief, we get mastered by the things that relieve us. Instead of turning to the Creator, We turn to creation. Psalm forty-six verse one says the following. It says, God is our refuge uh, and strength and very present help. Sorry, very present help in trouble. For many of us, take out the word God there. What is your refuge? Your strength? That coffee. Some of us wake out of bed with caffeine addictions and we literally, that's the first thing we can think about is that coffee, like that's going to be our refuge, be our strength just to get through the day. What are you turning to that is your refuge, that is your strength, that's your help in trouble? Food, sugar, painkillers, what is it? Psalm 73 verse 25 says, Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. What do we desire more than God on earth? And this is where we need to get to. This is what we're aiming at. This is, this is the life that we're called to, is where we can say like David, Whom have I in heaven but you? And I have no delight or desire here on earth besides you. You are my strength. You are my help in time of need. You are my safe haven. So this is where we actually start to see what we call the iceberg of addiction. How many of you know that like an iceberg, I've got a picture here of an iceberg for you. 10% of the iceberg is above the surface. 90% is below. The 10% that's visible to us is the substance abuse. It is the drug of choice. It's the thing that we're going to. It's the cycle of addiction. That's what we see. That's what's visible to us. That's what we know about. It's this thing that I keep going to. But what is the real problem underneath it? And And it's varied. It could be anger, unforgiveness, loneliness, spiritual disconnection, a poor self-image, self-hate, abuse from your childhood, trauma from the last couple years, grief, fear, the cultural environment that you live in is one of addiction, pride, deception, the list goes on and on and on. And unfortunately, knowing this complicates the matter. Because I can't actually just get up here this morning and say to you, hey, just pray more. Just stop it. (laughs) This thing that you're doing, enough. Just say no. Amen. Say amen. Amen. Okay, it's done. No. (laughs) There's another whole world going on inside of us. This mix of emotions and fears and struggles that we're facing that are causing us to act out, that are causing us to go to these things. And so therefore, it's not just... There's no silver bullet to addiction. There's no just like um, one little scripture I can give you and say, just, just all you got to do is speak this over your life. Often the solution is multivaried, multifaceted. There's no one patch, you know, that's just going to solve the problem. And don't we always just look for the patch? Hey, aren't we just a generation that just wants, just pray for me, Pastor, you know, or just, just, I don't know, just give me one, like a pull, and then it's done, it's over. This, this addiction will just go away. No, God wants you to master this thing. He wants you to grow and develop because why? In the process, that stuff gets sorted out and you become greater and stronger and more of His glory can flow through you and into this world. That's what that thing is there. It's kind of like a, it's like a, a little piece of sand that gets into an oyster. And it irritates that oyster and irritates that oyster and irritates that oyster and eventually it starts to create a pearl it creates this pearl over that piece of sand and and something beautiful can come out of the very darkest thing in our life there's nothing actually more beautiful than seeing someone who's overcome who said and they, they're just so full of power they're so full of hope they're so full of like man i can get up here this morning and say guys there's light for you, <laughs> there's joy for you, there's, there's something so incredible about being an overcomer and how it positions you in this world to set others free. Yeah. Often the areas we struggle with are actually the areas of our greatest ministries. They're a sign actually sometimes of, of, of where God wants to use you. There are signs, sign sometimes of, of the very destiny that's on your life. So don't ignore it. Don't brush it under the carpet because this is what we, we tend to do because it's so complicated sometimes we just and we're so busy with life. We just go, we settle for cohabitation. We just settle for this like middle road of like, well, it's not destroying me now. But if we just look 10 years ahead, we, it's, it's devastating what this thing can do. Let's arrest it now. Let's deal with it right now. Let's have a culture where we just say, no, enough is enough. Amen. Today is the day of freedom. This is it now. I'm not going to give this thing my attention. People, I want you to know this, is that you you can give your life to mastering something and ignore the thing that's mastering you. But who you are will catch up with what you do, and everything that you do will be destroyed by who you are. Master who you are. And then go into the world and master everything else. So... This requires us to be committed to the process, committed to recovery. No matter how long it takes, no matter how many times I fall, no matter how many times I've gone back to it, no matter whatever, no matter, I am committed. It's not about how many times you fall fall down, it's how many times you get up. It's not about how many times you fail, it's about how many times you just get up. So you fell yesterday, so you fell last night, so you fell this morning, just get up. Just get up just get up. Just get up. Amen. Look at somebody and say, just get up. Just get up. Get up and keep going. The grace of God is available to us to just get up. Failure is when we just don't get up. We just get up and we keep moving forward. And listen, we want to build a culture in this church where there is no shame around this thing, where there's no like, you did what? You did it again? You know, that, this is not part of our language, but we're a, a, a team, a community of compassion where it's just like, come on, champ, you got this. I know who you are. You mightier than that thing. You can do this thing. Come on, let's do it together. That's the culture we want to build in this church. And so this is what a recovery process kind of looks like. Let me just share this with you. This is the recovery iceberg, all right? Here's another iceberg. On the top, we're seeing someone in mastery over here. What is underneath? Abstinence, accountability, group therapy, rehab, coping skills, finding purpose, fellowship, practicing forgiveness. You know, I just, it's amazing what forgiveness can, unforgiveness can lead us into. It's amazing. I've experienced this so many times, people's lives are like really trapped in whatever, si- substance abuse or something, and it literally comes from a f- unforgiveness to dad or mom or whatever, stuff that happened. Practicing forgiveness it just can literally set us free. A new environment. Sometimes the environment is just so toxic that we're in. We just have to eject. You know, I was in, a, in, a, in an environment when I first got saved All my friends, we were all doing drugs on the weekend. That was our life. I literally had to turn my phone off on Friday afternoon and leave it off. I had to eject from that environment. I had to eject from those friendships. You know, they're actually not even my friends today. (laughs) Because after like, you know, a few weeks of like Wayne not being in the party or jumping on the tables like them or doing what they were doing, they were like, ah, suck this guy. He's boring. (laughs) I had to eject out of that and put myself in a new environment. Put myself in church. And listen, that's, that's not easy to do sometimes. But do it. But do it. There are nations at stake, people. There are communities at stake here. There are your kids' generations that are at stake here. Marriages that are at stake. Listen, you need to get on top of this thing because God has got a great and mighty work for you to do. You know, it's wonderful just to hear the Chitamba starting a connect group now, gathering young couples and stuff like that. I'm like, come on, that's, that's the fruits of, of, of what we're seeing on the top, but, it, but there's a whole lot of stuff that went on underneath there, you know? Let's not ignore what's going on underneath. Meditation. I can, you know, the power of meditating on the Word of God. I'm not talking about eastern meditation where you blank out your mind. I'm talking about filling your mind with the word of God. I re- literally remember days when when struggling in my addiction where I would just take a scripture and begin to meditate on it and meditate on it and how freedom came just by by bringing my thoughts into obedience to the word of God. It's a skill, it's an art. Sometimes there's a process, I mean, you try for once, it didn't work, try for once, it didn't. you've got to keep at these things. You've got to be committed to the long haul, the, the journey of recovery. It's not an instant moment. So let me conclude with this. Edmund Hillary said the following. He said, it's not the mountain we conquer, but ourselves. You know, if you're going to conquer Everest, like, yeah, let's take the mountain, right? No, you actually need to conquer yourself. You have to wake up earlier. You have to go and practice in the dark and train. <laughs> You've got to start eating a right diet. <laughs> You've got to start learning mountaineering skills. Who, who, what is actually getting mastered in this process? So we just see the guy on the top of the mountain, and we go, yo, he conquered the mountain. No, he conquered himself. You can look, put that on any illustration in life. Someone who's at the top of their game in, in any field, what have they conquered to get there? Themselves. It's not the minds it's ourselves. Where do you still need to conquer in your life? And I want you to know this morning that God is not condemning you here. He has given you everything necessary for life and godliness. He's given you everything necessary. And I want you to know this morning that victory is certain. In 2 Corinthians 10, it says this. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. In 1 Corinthians 10, it says, No temptation has seized you but what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will never allow you to be tempted beyond what you can handle. Which means you can handle this. And it might be a journey for you to get the faith to actually believe that and know that, where it's just like from here, it actually just drops into here, and you own that thing. That this mountain actually is not this giant. This thing in my life is actually not, it's not as intimidating, <laughs> but that actually there's a bigger God on the inside of me, that there's actually more power available to me, that actually I am stronger than it. You know, the classic example of the circus elephant is this, is that when it was a baby, they would tie a rope around his leg and put a stake in the ground at the other end. And the baby elephant wants to go and run, and as he would try and run, the rope would t- pull on its, on its ankle and it would cut into his ankle, and so it would stop. And it learned in that moment that if I try and run away from this rope, it's just gonna cause me pain. And so it sits there and it grows into a massive elephant with the same rope and the same tiny peg in the ground. And it doesn't realize that actually, it's much stronger than that rope now. It could break free at any moment. It can pull that thing out of the ground. But as soon as it feels the tight, it feels, oh no, submit. And this is what sin tries to do in our lives. This is what addiction tries to do. It tries to condition us into a place where we are less than it, where it is master over us. And the key is to build ourselves up, build up our identity, build up, get the tools we need, build up, build up the strength. And let me tell you something, if you are growing in the Word, growing in your identity in Christ, growing in these things, you're going to pull that thing out the ground like it's nothing. And you're going to turn around and laugh at it and say, ha, 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 you had me, but I got you now. And you're going to have the joy of mastery. Amen? Can we stand to our feet? What is the takeaway from this message? Ashes, if you wouldn't mind just uh, handing out the communion at this moment. We're all just going to have a moment for communion. And uh, Sia, if you wouldn't mind just coming on up as well. What is is the takeaway here? What is the point of this message? Well, I am challenging you today to not stay in a place where you're cohabiting with addiction. Uh, My challenge to you today is come out from that dark place. Come and confess it to someone, come and tell someone, find somebody, listen, we're a community here, we have connect group leaders, we've got area leaders, we've got so many amazing people who have battled these things already (laughs) and have come out as champions on the other side. And and I wanna encourage you, don't stay alone, don't stay in isolation, don't stay where you are, but rather come out and share what your struggles are. And sometimes just that very step, can be the thing that brings such freedom. Don't stay where you are. Look at somebody and say, don't stay where you are. Don't stay where you are. We also, this morning, want to recommend a ministry in our city that is committed to setting captives free. The ministry is called Project Exodus. It's a Durban-born, Durban-based ministry based in Durban North, out of the Church of Anthem, really great friends of ours, a, a brother-sister church in the city that we love and serve, and they love and serve us. And they've started this thing called, a ministry called Project Exodus, led by Conrad. And Conrad's actually here today, and his team is with him. Can you guys just come stand in the front? Or so I just want you guys to like stand out so people know who you are. And this ministry runs recovery groups, recovery training. They, they've got multiple counselors in place. They've got incredible people who are well-trained to do this and they've just come here this morning. Thank you. He just heard I was preaching and they showed up and it was like surprised me. <laughs> so if you, if you don't understand anything in the Word this morning, all right, the experts are here, but they're here to serve. They've got a vision of setting captives free. And not just in Durban, but all over the world. And they're building a ministry that is setting captives free. It's literally, it carries the heart of Christ. And this is why we're recommending them, is that because, yes, you can go to Narcotics Anonymous and you can join AA groups and all of these things, but these groups are not Christ-centered. And there's a difference, people. And I don't know about you this morning, but I don't want to do anything without Jesus in the middle of it. You know what I mean? Not when there's that much power, not when there's that much grace, not when there's that much love and compassion. When Jesus is at the center, listen, that's, that's the thing I trust. That's the thing I go to. Why, why ignore all the power of God? Amen? So here they are. You're welcome after the service to come and chat with them, receive prayer with them. Um, if you want to join recovery groups and you want to find out how to do that, then they're here, Okay. Also, I want to just say this. We need champions in this church. We need champions. We need men and women who feel called to this area. People, we are living in a time of unprecedented addiction. It's rampant. We need men and women in this church who will say, you know what? I want to lead a recovery group. I want to help others. I want to gather men. I want to gather women who are struggling with porn. I want to gather people who have addiction problems. And I want to start a group even in this church that can help this church and the people that come into this church. And once again, this is where Project Exodus can help. This is where they can train. They've got trainings that they're running. And Garth is here from Olive Tree Church, and they run a recovery group of Olive Tree Church. But we want, we want to run re- recovery groups here at Every Nation. Amen? Imagine Tuesday night or Thursday night. There's a place for people to go who are struggling with addictions. That's the type of community that we're called to be. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at enderbyn.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermon. Be blessed.